An entitled patient and her boyfriend demand that I abandon a dying ICU patient just so I can get their Uber Eats order, complaining that they don't want to have to go downstairs and get it themselves. And I'm truly blown away by their entitlement. Here's what happened. So I work in a high-level hospital as an ICU nurse, and my managers are fantastic with staffing, meaning that if you have a crashing, heavy workload patient, they'll make the other patient you have an easier one so you can focus on the sick one. For a bit of background, ICU nurses have two patients and we specialize in critical thinking, whereas the telefloor is the normal part of the hospital where people think about and hold less sick people who don't need as much attention. So these nurses have six patients. So the beginning of my shift after I report in, I show my face and I say hi to my less sick patient who is doing fantastic and just currently waiting for transport to move her. I say to her, I'll be back at around 9 o'clock p.m. in two hours unless she needs me for something else. So this gives me time to stabilize the sick patient next door. Unfortunately, the sick patient in room one starts coding and the team is actively doing CPR. There is a crash cart in the hallway. Three doctors are here. A whole team to try and save this young guy. My team is working on medication, intubating, keeping compressions going, etc. All while I'm talking with the doctors about what could have possibly caused it. And at this point, I'm halfway outside the room for the healthier patient in room two. She sees me through the window, presses the call light, and I ignore it because I have very pressing matters. And I mean, this really should be obvious for anyone looking in. Now, this is where the craziest part comes into play. Her boyfriend ends up opening the door and standing in the doorway to just stare at me with his arms crossed. Now, just to give them the benefit of the doubt that she could be concerned about her health, I say, is everything all right? And he just gives out an annoyed sigh and tries to lead me inside. Of course, I only pay attention to him when the doctors go into room one to brainstorm on their own and assess where to go if they get the guy back. I look back through the window of room one and I realize I can give them five seconds to make sure nothing weird is going on. So she literally says to me, can you go get my Uber Eats order? It just said that it arrived downstairs. I swear I could have had a stroke from high blood pressure at that moment. I kindly said to them, I'm sorry, but I'm busy with a critical patient. Is there any chance that you could do that? I then look to the boyfriend who has plopped into the recliner with his feet up watching Netflix again on his phone. He then responds by saying, go get it for her? You know what? I would rather not. Oh, you don't want to, huh? I mean, did they not see the mess next door through the window? I mean, I was literally talking to three doctors and there's a hot mess of people outside the room who are trying to save this person's life. So I tell him, no, I can't. The entire team is actively trying to save someone's life and none of us are available to leave. So either you can go get it or I can have someone get saltines for you instead. This guy lets out a sigh, gets up slowly and then says, fine, I guess I'll go get it then. All while I turn and head back into room one. This dude literally has to turn his shoulders to slide through the massive group of people, still angry that he has to take one elevator down. When they get moved to another room at around 10 o'clock p.m., he's speaking loudly on the phone, complaining about how the nurses are rude and they don't even get food for their patients and all this other garbage. Now, the icing on the cake for all of this is that she had just gotten off an insulin drip for being in a diabetic coma and this guy seriously still wanted to be lazy. Never have I met a more entitled person who put having to walk and get their own food delivery above someone else's life. Wow, that is unbelievable to me. Can they seriously not see what's going on? First off, they have to know that they are in a very specific area of the hospital. This is not a normal area. Literally, they're in the ICU. This is where people can very easily not survive what's going on. They're either in a coma or something horrible has happened to them. Like, seriously, this is where things can go badly really quickly. So the fact 
that the both of them are acting this way is honestly astonishing. It sounds like there's a window that you can really see into the other room and you know exactly what's going on. So they literally see all this action outside of the other patient's room. Like how can you not then infer that oh something might be going wrong? I mean the biggest clue might be the fact that they're doing CPR. I don't know. I mean how selfish and entitled can you get? Like these nurses are not your butlers. They're not going to get your Uber Eats orders. They have a lot of important things that they're doing. They can't just walk away and do that. So the fact that the boyfriend was acting this way and trying to be all tough and folding his arms and all the other garbage he was spouting off was super entitled and unbelievably toxic. If you like Am I the Jerk, you're probably going to love Am I the Genius. Check it out. Link down below in the description. Also, go to amithejerk.com slash submit if you would like to submit your own stories. Today, I messed up by eating tuna inside of a vegan's home. Here's what happened. So my friend and I, both freshly 18 years old, had saved up for a few years to travel the world. We started with Canada, where we first stayed with my friend's cousins, just to save on costs early on in the trip. One of the first things we were told by the wife, let's call her Linda, that's not her real name, as she was driving us from the airport to her home, was that her husband was a hardcore vegan, and we can't bring up the subject, and most definitely not ever eat or bring meat in the house, as this will upset him. So I'm thinking, okay, easy, no meat. I mean, how many meals need meat anyways? And we're only staying here for a month. I can do that. Well, my friend and I were both into fitness and got into a really good exercise regiment during our first weeks in Canada. We were walking, running, doing calisthenics, etc. And this made us naturally very hungry. We were both also very aware that exercise is extremely benefited by a high amount of protein and the only meals we had been eating mainly consisted of pasta, cheese, and potatoes. So we were feeling a bit malnourished and we felt our hard work was going to waste somewhat. One morning, our host told us that they would be out for the whole day, which at first wouldn't make a difference to our day, as we would be exploring the local area anyways. Well, that afternoon, my friend and I were on a stroll when I had the brilliant idea. I thought, instead of the usual cheesy pasta tonight, why not reward our bodies with some source of protein? I mean, the hosts were out, so they would never suspect a thing, and I'm sure that even if they did, it wouldn't be an issue, as there would be no trace of any meat anywhere. My friend agreed, and we went into the nearest supermarket and bought a few tins of tuna to go into the cheesy pasta. We got back to the house and we made the meal, which really hit the spot, and it filled the gaps that we felt we had been missing in our diet for the past couple of weeks. We washed up and went to chill around the house. The hosts returned from their day out, and my friend and I are sitting in the same dimmed room, relaxing and just enjoying some downtime. And that's when I see a shadow in the doorway. We hear a voice say, Have you been consuming a dead animal in my home? And we were not sure who this stern voice was. I mean, how could he know? I made sure to clean up everything meticulously. I panicked and my first instinct was to lie. I said to them no in a calm manner, but I started to notice that my heartbeat was thumping in my ears. This guy then said, then why does my home smell like corpses? I finally broke and I said I added some tuna into our meal. He shook his head and he stormed upstairs. I'd like to remind you at this point that we were two young, well-meaning young ladies trying to make a good impression on the world who had undervalued some earlier advice, so this confrontation really hit us hard. My friend and I looked at each other in shock, not knowing at all what to do. The husband wasn't the most approachable man at the best of times, and less so when we've broken his number one house rule. After about an hour of contemplating, we went upstairs and nervously knocked on his bedroom door. My friend explained the situation for us, which at the time I thought was fair, but now I know it should have been me, as it was my idea. The husband stayed pretty 
pretty quiet, but his wife was also in the room comforting him. We went to bed that night not knowing if we were leaving the next morning, despite having not booked anywhere to stay for another two weeks. The next morning, my friend and I were greeted with a piece of A4 paper that had been slid under our bedroom door. Confused, we went over to it to pick it up. It was a full-page letter from our host in detail explaining the rules of staying at people's houses, how you should act, and that your presence should be a gift in return for staying there, and that you should always, whether you agree with them or not, follow the rules of that household. At first, we were relieved to see that there was no mention of us having to leave. And of course, these are all wise words, and I did eventually take them on, despite feeling somewhat rebellious at the time, especially towards such an authority other than my parents. We continued our travels for about eight months and came back to our home country of Scotland, significantly more mature than we were when we first started. Okay, first off, yeah, this is a massive mess up. Like, how could you not know that canned tuna would smell awful inside of a house, specifically a house where nobody ever eats meat? Like, he probably smelled it, like, right away. I mean, there's no fooling somebody who literally doesn't eat meat and probably is repulsed by it. But truly, the way he acted was obnoxious. Like, literally just grab some fragrance spray and spray it around the kitchen. It will literally get rid of the smell and everybody's fine. Like, these are 18-year-old children. It's not like they did that on purpose just to spite you. They probably didn't think that you would act in this way. I think, if anything, if they wanted to get some protein in their diet, they probably should have eaten at, like, a restaurant or something like that instead of fixing it in their home. But there is a silver lining. If you do plan on traveling, you now know not to go to those people's house ever again. Because if you bring meat into that house, that guy's gonna freak out again. And I don't think you want to have to deal with that guy a second time. My entitled colleague decides that she needs her perfume so badly that she would rather make me sick than stop spraying it all over the office. And I'm honestly so glad I don't work with these people anymore. Here's what happened. So this happened a few years back at an office I'm no longer working at. Thank goodness. I'm autistic and very sensitive to strong sensory input. Strong smells and perfume give me migraines on good days and on bad days. It's enough to send me into a dissociative meltdown. After a very trying year where I ended up fully breaking down in the office in front of everyone, they finally put some accommodations in place that meant it was less difficult to be in the office. The relevant rules basically asked people not to spray perfume in the office. They could still wear it, just put it on somewhere that wasn't in the shared office space. Well, what happened next is honestly the worst thing that has ever happened to my colleague. She repeatedly came to my desk and would complain about how silly the rule was, and it wasn't fair that everyone was being forced to not use perfume, all because I was being overly sensitive. It's important to note, by the way, that they had seen my meltdown and was convinced that her perfume could not have been part of the problem. At this point, I had fought hard to get these extremely minor and reasonable accommodations, and I knew that if I started making concessions, none of the accommodations would last very long. So I told her to just not spray perfume outside or in the bathroom, and she would be fine. Unfortunately, it wasn't the end. I came back from lunch the next day to find my desk had been drenched in perfume. It was so strong, the plastic cover on it was still slightly warped. So I, unsurprisingly, ended up having another meltdown within an hour or two. She never took responsibility for spilling the perfume, but made a big show of it, saying how she didn't think I should be working in a shared space if normal things were so hard for me. Well, fast forward and I now work from home from a different job. And honestly, I'm glad that's the case. And to this day, I still get an instant headache when I smell that particular cheap strawberry scent. Wow, your coworker is a massive jerk. Can you imagine being that insensitive that you drench someone's workspace in perfume that they can't smell? Like, that is workplace harassment. 
harassment, and that is so unacceptable. And not spraying perfume around the office shouldn't just be a rule for someone who has autism and they can't handle this much sensory overload. As for myself, I have asthma, and if people are spraying perfume all over the place, it's going to be hard for me to breathe, and I'm going to need to go home. So this lady was honestly super inconsiderate. She was such a jerk for drenching your workspace in that perfume, and there's honestly no good excuse. So it's really good to see that you have a different job now, because those people did not care about you in the slightest, and you can do so much better than those old jerks back at your old job. Am I the jerk for making my ex-husband give our son his car keys back after he was caught having road rage on his dash cam? Here's what happened. So my ex-husband and I have a 17-year-old son who began driving and got his own little car a little over a year ago. He has had a good clean record so far, and there have been no accidents. Earlier this week, however, he had a minor road rage incident. He was in a left turn lane at the red light behind two other cars. The light turned green, but the car in front didn't move. The car in front of my son and my son leaned on their horn, but they still didn't move. They blasted their horns nonstop for a good 15 seconds, but the car still didn't move. The light turned red, and just afterwards, the car in front ran the red light and then made a U-turn. My son, as the car passed him in the opposite lane, flipped off the driver and screamed out, you stupid jerk. And this was at the top of his lungs, out the window of the driver's side of the car. And this was all at a woman who looked like she was in her 60s or 70s. Now that intersection has long lights. So my son had to wait a long time for the next green light to come around. Coincidentally, this woman lives in the same condo complex as my ex-husband and son, even though neither of them claimed to have ever met her before or recognized her. But she apparently recognized my son and his car. She confronted my ex-husband about it a couple days afterward. She made my son's behavior sound a lot worse than it actually was. She said that my son was intimidating her, and she also downplayed her actions. She said she just made a tiny driving mistake and didn't give any more details other than that. My ex took a look at my son's dash cam footage and saw the whole incident. While he did agree that it wasn't nearly as bad as she made it sound, he was still angry at my son. He made him apologize and told him he would be taking away his keys for a whole week, meaning that he would have to walk to school and everywhere else. He made a big deal about how he doesn't want his son disrespecting women and his elders or road raging. Now, I thought his punishment was way too harsh considering the circumstances. I had a long conversation with my ex the day after he made the punishment, and I made clear how I felt and demanded that he give him back his keys. He stood his ground at first, but eventually and very reluctantly gave in, since I'm the parent that he spends the most time with and thus the one who has ultimate veto power. My ex seemed very unhappy about our son getting out of his punishment. So am I the jerk in this situation? What should I do? No, you are not the jerk here. Everybody's had road rage. We have all had stupid people in front of us who don't know how to drive, as well as countless other situations where we just lose ourselves a little bit and say things that we regret later on. And honestly, I think it's a good idea that your son has a dash cam so that you and your ex can really make sure that your son's doing what he needs to do. But when it comes to the punishment, I think taking his car away for a week is really inappropriate. Like, the situation wasn't that bad in my opinion. The lady in front of him was absolutely at fault and not only did she run the red light, but she also neglected literally everything in front of her. She wasn't paying attention, most likely on her phone or something like that. And then she does an illegal U-turn on the red light. Like, seriously? This lady's the one with the problem, not your son. And sure, you can reprimand him for yelling and saying all the nasty things that he did, but at the end of the day, it's this lady's fault. She started this and your son just responded in a not-so-nice way. So no, I don't think you're the jerk for getting his keys back. His car is not a luxury in 
this type of way. He needs it to get to school and do other things. And taking that away would literally hinder his ability to live. So I think the punishment really needs to be something that he can live without. Because taking the car away, in my opinion, is just a little bit too extreme. My wife complains that I don't clean while I cook dinner. So I proceed to maliciously comply and clean our kitchen to make it absolutely spotless, resulting in dinner never actually being made. And after doing that, I no longer get bothered about cleaning up as I cook. Here's what happened. So I am a 33-year-old man, and I often do the cooking at our home, including the washing up that happens afterwards. My wife, who's 34, does not usually cook. We established that by our second date years ago. I love her to bits, but she is a culinary disaster. And trust me, time has failed to make any improvements. It really is a lost battle. The sequence of dinner prep usually starts as soon as I finish work. This involves chopping meat and vegetables and rounding up anything that was previously marinated or thawed. This is immediately followed by cooking and then serving to be eaten hot. It seems logical to me that meals should be enjoyed while they are fresh, while cleaning up can essentially wait, especially if the kitchen is not being used by anyone else in the meantime. I am also the one who normally does the washing after everyone has eaten, and I wash all the cutlery and all the cooking prep stuff in the process as well. This is done while my wife settles down our toddler into bed. I prefer this setup because I can get all the washing done in one go, and everyone can eat their meals at the same time, and they can enjoy it together while it's fresh. I don't like washing the pots and pans or the dishes right after cooking and before eating. My wife, however, seems to get annoyed at this. Every now and then while I'm cooking, if she walks in, she will start complaining, making notes that I should pack this and that up, that I should clean the board while waiting for the stir fry to finish. Sometimes there's literally no downtime for certain dishes, especially with several to serve before it gets too late for the toddler. Now, to be clear, I certainly clean some things as I go, especially when it concerns raw meat or things that need to go back into the fridge. I'll wipe things down if there's like an offensive spill or anything like that, but for things like chopping boards or even certain empty packages or condiments, I will leave them on the bench top until I am done, or at least when I'm washing up. Things that I don't feel pose a risk or have any urgency to be put away other than making the kitchen look tidy during cooking, and I'm honestly happy to be proven wrong. Anyways, one day for whatever reason, my wife got really snarky at me because I left the chopping board out next to the pans, saying it's not hard to clean as I cook. So I thought, whatever, that's fine. So for the next meal, I made sure to clean up everything I touched as I started my meal prep. I had already made sure that the little one had had her dinner, so there's no harm in drawing this out. Need to open that can of pasta sauce? Better wash down the can opener and dry it before we start. So I guess I've got to wipe down the whole kitchen top as well. Oops, I dropped a garlic clove. I'd better give the whole kitchen floor a good scrub. Oh, wait a second. Is that a bit of charred residue on the stove? Okay, better degrease the entire area. I think at this point you can catch my drift. My wife has put the little one to sleep by now, so three hours later the kitchen is sparkling. Literally, there's not a spot of dust or debris anywhere. But at the same time, the pasta has not entered the water and the sauce materials have not even touched the pan. My wife then asks me, hey, where's dinner? And I tell her I haven't started cooking because I still need to clean the fridge. There are some stains under the tomato tray. After that, she eventually went back to bed. Now, I still cooked and packed her lunch, but ever since then, she hasn't bothered me about cleaning up ever again. That's a really funny way to get someone off your back. Like, think about it. Here you are trying to make dinner for you and the rest of the family, and your wife is like, wow, you should do a better job about cleaning. It's like, okay, I can either cook the food or I can clean. Which one do you want me to do? Unless she wants to step up and start doing the cleaning as you're cooking, then there's not really an option for you to do both 
both at the same time. Like, that's just asking for a mistake to happen and for something to just straight up go wrong. So I personally find this to be a really funny approach to basically show your wife, hey, I'm doing the best I can, and if you really want this place clean and spotless, trust me, I can do that. Because personally, if somebody's cooking food in the kitchen, it's my job to either support them or stay out of their way. Because chances are they probably know exactly what they're doing. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't be cooking dinner for you or anybody else in the house. Thanks for watching. When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications so you never miss a video. To finish listening to all the stories, check out the playlist at the top of the description. And if you want some vibey music to put on in the background, check out Easy Mode. If you like Am I the Jerk, check out Am I the Genius. Everything will be linked in the description.